Welcome to Postmodem. So, <laughs> um, so uh, a few weeks ago, uh, pretty late in the evening, um, I I had what was uh, a case of mistaken identity. Uh, I, I was wandering dun, home. Dun, dun. Um, I, I had been out drinking, and uh, I was wandering back home, and uh, I was passing by uh, a classy dining establishment. Uh, I don't know if you guys have these outside of New York. Uh, called, called it's called White Castle. White um, Castle. Yes. And, and I I wandered in, uh, and so I'm standing behind these two ladies um, who were waiting on their food. And um, one turns around and just kind of gives me like, you know, the up and down, and I'm I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm 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 still a little drunk, so I was just like, hmm. And uh, <laughs> the sound of she, then she does it again. <laughs> that's that's what that sounds like. Um, and she turns back around and she goes, "You know what? You look like somebody." I was like, "I get that a lot. Yeah, I I, I do look like somebody." Um, and she was like, no, 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 really. Like you, you look familiar. I was like, okay. Like, she's like, who are you? I was like, well, it's probably not the answer you're looking for. Who, who do you think I am? And, and she was like, yo. And like, she taps her friend again. She's like, doesn't she look like that guy? And I'm like, fuck, here it comes again. Cause like this, this does happen to me constantly. I have one of those faces where people always tell me I look familiar to them. Hey man, uh, believe so, me, I get that all the time. Right, you know this, right. you know and, this to be true. Yes, um, but and this I, never happens to me. I guess it, I'm distinctive looking. Yeah, I, I, I get. Yeah, I, I think, and I, there's 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 a wheelhouse that I'm comfortable with, with regard to people I'm compared to, but I was right. not ready for what came out of this woman's mouth. Um, she was like, you know, you look like George Zimmerman. Oh and, no! And, and, and I'm oh sitting there, I'm like, I'm like, wait, does she possibly mean Bob Zimmerman? No. <laughs> She means George Zimmerman. I was like, you mean the man who shot Trayvon Martin? Oh, no. She was like, yeah, that guy. And I was like, fuck you. What? Dude, that is ridiculous. And she was like, hey, don't blame me. I'm just telling you. And and I had <laughs> a complex wow. the rest what of that night. Dick. I mean, I, I was already immersed. I mean, I was eating fucking shame burgers, for Christ's sake, already. Like, right. Yeah, and, you don't need to be compared to a murderer. So, like one hand, I have a shame slider, and the other, my iPhone, looking up images of George Zimmerman, and I'm totally like, "Fuck her! I totally don't look like that guy." You don't look like George. Yeah, Zimmerman. I don't think you look. It was a, absolutely look like him outrageous. But she was able to like you know get into a, ch- a, a into a chink in my armor, and, and get me to consider for a second: Do I look like a murderer? What? That is truly upsetting. Fuck, that is a horrible, horrible. I, story. Everything about that story is upsetting. I mean, it 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 happened. It happened in a very shameful place, right? Yeah, drunk Shaneburger. Yeah, yeah. I was with you. Uh, was it last weekend, uh, Philip? It 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 was last weekend. Yeah, actually, we were. Uh, you were not not when you were compared to George Zimmerman, but we were Mm-mm. in White Castle at three forty-five in the morning, eating some Shaneburgers. It's what you do. It's what you do. And then we, uh, and then we, I messaged or, or uh, FaceTimed. Yeah, I don't remember what we talked about because uh, drinking. <laughs> we talked about video games mostly. Yeah, I, we, I remember yelling we about Wind Waker. About, we argued about Wind Waker. Yeah, yeah. First topic, I think. Yeah, it's on Wind the list. Uh, and so, so the to those who don't know, 
Uh, now you know. Uh, Wind Waker has Wind Waker the Legend of the Zelda. Of Wind Waker has been tearing apart the little postmodem uh, family. Uh, it's a rift in the loot. Uh, that ever widening seeks to silence the music, or however the quote goes. Uh, and the thing about Wind Waker is that it sucks and it's boring. It is definitely not boring, and it definitely does not suck. You don't Patrick, get I, to. I, I, I'm going to have to ask that when you address our listeners, you don't be completely and objectively wrong. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm looking at that. Uh, I, I'm thinking back to what I just said, and there's nothing wrong there. <laughs> All right, so let's go over the ways. Let's 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 since our listeners may have not have you know seen our extensive, long, and thorough Twitter discussion about this, let's clue them in on on all the arguments here. Patrick is a former um, sailing hunter, virtuous sailing, virtuous, virtuous sailing skipper. championship player. His you know, his, his entire he he comes from a long and, uh, line, long line of competitive sailing game players. My dad is yeah, my dad is big was, into that yeah. shit. And was you know he 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 lost he lost the championships of virtual sailing competitively, you know, and he's just never been able to play yeah. another sailing game since. He vowed so to never you know, sail again. It's uh, it's kind of understandable that he would he would hate an otherwise amazing game. So honestly, you should pity him. None of that really may be true, just li- listeners. So you know, <laughs> just letting you know. Uh, no, it, it's true now. It's and it's not even about the sailing. The same effect would be if uh, the problem with Wind Waker is that uh, Miyamoto had a game that was good, a good game, a fine Zelda game, but wasn't long enough. So he decided to insert Desert Bus into it. Are uh, you guys familiar with Desert Bus? We are the listeners. I'm be. I'm going to feign ignorance. Uh, Desert Bus, the uh, postmodern video game in which you have to drive for six hours uh, across the desert with nothing to look at, and you can't just hold down a key because the road goes back and forth, and you'll crash, and you have to start over. No, 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 no. It's the road does not go back and forth. The bus drifts to ah, the yes, left. Yes. <laughs> the road is perfectly straight. Uh, yeah, that's it's that's... a perfect description of the sailing <laughs> in Legend of Zelda because. There's nothing to look at. There was plenty Riddle, to look at. Did Riddle. we even play the same game? There were like all these islands and cool shit around there. Like, Riddle, yeah, I'm trying things. to get to an beautiful like. I'm trying to get to an island. Bus, was the desert bus equipped with a cannon? No. No. He's got a good point. But that doesn't change the fact that you you don't get the cannon immediately, do you? I think no, that's we, a fair point. I don't. I don't think you get the candy. So anymore. there is a point at which you are stuck in a desert bus, or perhaps water bus. But that but water it, it is majestic. Take you six hours to cross the map. It takes maybe like ten minutes to go from one side of the map to the other. It's which is just as long as it would take you to run across the say the map in 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 Ocarina of Time. But see, like, there were no interest, There were way way it's more interesting no things to look at in the Ocarina Not of Time. Not really. You got you saw the same shit over and over again. You ran I, across the same areas of Hyrule Field on and you, you you had the the horse but like you know when you were a little kid you couldn't do that and you had to go back to that sometimes. So it's like you ended up running around a lot and, and then you got the warp songs and stuff like that. But it was, you know, Yeah, and eventually Wind Waker too. You got warp zones and Wind Waker. Yeah, you eventually it, get it, the it, song that the, teleports your boat from A to B. 
And that's when the game starts getting a lot better. But it's just, I, I resent the padding of that game. I, I don't feel like it's padding, and I don't feel like it's a, it's, I feel like it's a, a lazy criticism of the game. Like, if you want, I think when you, we were talking about this on Twitter, and you started talking, or maybe it was on, on Skype or, or something like that, but you were saying something about how, like, the, you felt that the game didn't really have a message, and that, and that you know, from a, from a subtextual point, the game did not really say anything. I thought that was a lot stronger. That brings me into my second point, is that compared to coming off of uh, Majora's Mask, which we agree is the best Zelda game. Yes. yes. Uh, I'll agree on that. Coming off Majora's Mask, whose story is nuanced, heart-rending, beautiful, like graspable by by kids, but, uh, but with uh, other layers of meaning to adults and with... Uh, you know, it's it's gripping. It's scary. It's uh, un, it's an unsettling storyline. I was just super disappointed by Wind Waker, which is just not particularly memorable. Like you 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 gotta let off the emotional gas though. Like when you have you have your yeah. Empire Strikes Back, and then you have Return of the Jedi. Like, although I mean, Return of the Jedi was originally supposed to be pretty fucking dark. I mean, like, but it the, wasn't. But it wasn't. But I think I mean the movie kind of Return of the Jedi kind of sucks. I mean, like, it's, it's kind of a bad movie. Yeah, it's it, not it is less, but it's lesser in quality than Empire, and I think that holds here. Sure, I mean, if you want, I guess, but like, you know, Return of the Jedi has problems for for other completely other reasons, though. I mean, like, it has no second act at all. Like, nothing happens in the middle part of that movie at all. It's just a fucking mess. And then the third act is just this three ring circus. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's boring. It's boring to watch more than once or twice. Like, um, whereas, you know, the first two movies, like you can watch those like over and over and over again. Yeah. They're, they're very good movies, but th- that comes down to my main, uh, and I think that, uh, Twilight Princess was weaker than Wind Waker. I did not like Twilight Princess at all. I, I was neutral on Twilight Princess. I thought it was Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I I felt like the decision to revisit Hyrule of Ocarina of Time. I really I disliked that. I thought that was I I didn't feel like I got really a whole lot of that out as, a whole lot out of that as a fan of Ocarina of Time. Like it re- it was like okay this is kind of similar but not in a meaningful way to like show me anything about who these people are. It's just sort of like hey look there's Zoras check it out. It was don't- it felt cheap. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like I didn't, I didn't hate it, but it it definitely was the it was the first Zelda game I ever played that a I didn't finish, and and b I didn't care. Well, I did care about not finishing. I kind of had a an existential crisis. I was like, have I changed? What's the matter with me? You only care about play it. Did you care game? about it insofar as that you didn't finish a Zelda game? Yes. Yes, that's it. And it, it and it bothered me. It still bothers me, as a matter of fact. Uh, I couldn't finish the most recent one. I just I have never felt compelled to play it again i don't even remember what it's called i haven't finished I it either had to go look up the name of the game like i had to go get my box skyward skyward sword skyward sword, skyward sword. Yeah. Skyward sword. i yeah. haven't finished it either but i think that's because i don't like the wii yeah not a not a big fan i don't mind the wii um i dislike that it is i dislike that it is not uh hd that <laughs> does it looks it looks like ass on my hd tv i'm sorry sorry yeah. wii but I, you you don't look very good I just never warmed to the controller. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? I, I don't mind the controller at all. Like, I actually, I mean, I play a lot of, like, Wii Sports and stuff like that. Like, Yeah, I mean, that yeah. stuff is awesome. But, like, for a game like Zelda, it feels wrong. It comes down to, I think you, <laughs> wrong. Uh, it comes down to, wrong. you have to, uh, it's really an impetus on the developer to do it tastefully and well. Uh, mm. And some games really nail that, like, uh, did you guys play the No More Heroes series of games? Yeah, yeah, that was a good game. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't think I owned it, but I think I played like on the multi multiplayer uh, um, of it. Those games are great, and they work well with the controls. Uh, but and then you have uh, Wii Madden, which is embarrassing to play because they're like, oh, <laughs> you now you have to uh, waggle the controller and kick a field goal, and you just feel like an ass, right? I, I, I can't take any game seriously that uses the word waggle. Yeah, oh yeah, waggle yeah. waggle appears a lot in Wii games. The only thing that you waggle is a penis. Yep, yep. Wii Madden did have one great thing, though. And that was when you scored, it went into Telestrator mode, but only the victor could write in the Telestrator. So <laughs> inevitably, it'd be like, uh, uh, it would show the slow motion replay and... You're pl I'm playing with a bunch of college students, so immediately the first thing you draw with the telestrator is a dick. Yes, all over. So it's just like, and you see here the defender runs into a huge dick and falls <laughs> down, enabling me to score and win while the direct while the defender is surrounded by more dicks. Boom. Yes. Tough acting today. Yes. Maybe John Madden should have drawn more dicks uh, in the Telestrator. I, I feel like the Wii suffers from this problem you see a lot in software where it's sort of design, like this, it was with the gestures, right? Like they, it suffers from design by project management. You know what I mean? Like the people who are who are doing the designs for this sort of stuff and who are like, Saying like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if X are not d game designers who are who are you know are trained to think about okay, well, what's the fun yeah. in that? Is that fun? Like yeah, and what, what, are, what how, the... how are we met? How does this relate to the the experience of playing Madden? Yeah, but they're just like they're just trying to check a box, right? And they're just like, oh man, wouldn't this be a good idea? And then they just latch onto it, and it's not because it's not to say that they're bad. It's just that it's not what they're trained to do to think about all those trade offs. Yep. Like that. They're, they're about schedules and about marketing and like. You know, they're thinking about stuff from a product perspective, mm -hmm. not from a like game design perspective. And so it's and you see this a lot in like anytime you read like a really crappy error message, like on like some bank website, you know who wrote that. Yeah. You know who wrote that, right? Some some project I, manager. I, I do think the Wii um and maybe this is controversial, I think the Wii is the pinnacle of um these kind of weird projects that nobody said no to at Nintendo. Like I think uh, it finally came to a head, like because, you know, you had shit like the Virtual Boy and the E-Reader and the fucking GCGBA connector. Wait, like, all what? things the that e were cool in their own right. But, you know, none of them belong at, like, as the heart of their console. Well, I mean, that's that. now we're getting into the, into the problems of, you know, large Japanese companies and, like, how, you know, it's very seniority-based and it's very hard to say no mm. to, you know, someone who's, like, uh, you know, been at the company for so long, and like you know, the salary man sort of attitude and structure, yeah. and like, so so this is a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing, absolutely. I mean, the guy who came up with the, the Virtual Boys was Gunpei uh, Gunpei yeah. Yoko, C creator of Metroid. 
creator of the Game Boy. Like, dude was a like a legend. Like he was like untouchable in the company. Now hold on for a second. You Philip, you said e-reader? The e-reader. Do you not remember the e-reader? No. Oh my god. The e-reader was a device that hooked up to the Game Boy. And I think the GameCube or the Game Boy Advance. And you would buy these packs of trading cards that and you would pass all five of them, or you know, any whatever count they were, through the e-reader, and it would it would read software off of them for different purposes. Many of them for Animal Crossing. Like sometimes they were games, like like they, there were NES games on there, or there were like um, fucking like items or characters for Animal Crossing, which was a dope game. Remember the uh, camera and printer you could get, for Game Boy? <laughs> yeah, remember that? yeah. You could like take photos and then print them out, like on little stickers or whatever. I mean, yep. it, yeah, that was actually pretty cool. Like, yeah, that was actually pretty sick. And all of these things were cool as hell, but but, but like their their viability <laughs> in mass was questionable. Like like the, the you know like use four Game Boys as controllers for like Pac Man or Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Like coolest idea ever. But totally not viable. Yep. Uh, do you <laughs> right, guys remember yeah. the game? Now, it's not a Nintendo game. I, I think my memories are funny. Fuzzy. Uh, Monster Rancher? Oh, yeah. Yes. Was yeah, that yeah, the game course. you could put CDs into, like audio CDs, and it would, like, make monsters out of them? I feel like if anybody knows this, it's Colin. Was it Monster Rancher? I don't know if it was Monster Rancher. A number of games... Particularly on the PlayStation. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure this was PlayStation. Had the, had, you had the ability on the PlayStation to, once the game had been... Like, you could open up the tray and take out the CD and put in something else. Like, that was a pretty common thing that was many PlayStation games supported and, like, told you about. Like, if you wanted to play your own music or whatever. And so it went... And I think a number of games did do something like that, where, like, you put in an audio CD and it would, like, you know, read that and then do something with it. Monster Rancher might have been the game that does it. Yeah, Wikipedia it says it is. Uh, I don't know for sure, though. Yeah, that was Illy dope. That was That's so Illy. dope. Illy would know for sure. He knows all that shit. For sure. Um, do you want to you talk about Final Fantasy? Uh, since we're talking about video games? We could. Well, uh, I'm curious to hear, Colin. You, uh, you haven't told me yet. Uh, how was the improv oh, performance? Yeah. Oh yeah, so uh, for our listeners, we uh, I started doing improv comedy um, about eight weeks ago um, at this class at this class here in San Francisco called uh, this place here in San Francisco called called End Games, and uh, it's been it's been a really great experience. I've learned a lot, um, and uh, it, we had our first show um, yesterday. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, we did really well. I think we were really funny. Um, people who were there said it was funny too. People were laughing. Um, and, and what's more important, especially with improv, is that you you have fun up there. Because uh, so the the sort of style of improv that that I was doing is is um, if you guys are familiar with UCB, um, Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah, I've seen a few. It's yep. sort of yeah, it's there. It's that sort of style of improv of like basically improvised sketch comedy. So like you know, you get in. You find the little, like, it's called the game of the scene. So, like, in, in the more cowbell sketch, it would be, the, you know, the fact that Christopher Walken just wants to hear more cowbell. That's yeah. it. 
Right. You find that, you do that, and then you get out. Like, you end the scene. So it's just, it's supposed to be pretty quick, but it's not like whose line is it anyway, where it's like, you put on a crazy hat and go like, woo, look at me! Which is, <laughs> I mean, that can be fine. And fine I love, I love me some whose line. What we learned. I love that shit too. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's just not what we were focusing on. Yeah. So, uh, um, but yeah, no, it, it was a, a lot of fun and the show was great and uh, we, we did well. That's awesome. Um, hopefully I'll be able to continue with it. There was a little snafu with like not enough. Um, they weren't able to get space to teach a second class for the level two of it. Uh, it's like broken up into levels. So I did level one, but they weren't enough space to get an. They weren't able to get enough space to, to do a, a second level two class, and there was too much interest, so I didn't actually get to sign up this time. But I'll sign up next next cycle um, for it. And, and uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. It's everybody is really funny and like very supportive because that's kind of how you have to be when you're doing improv because it's it's very much like you know you're both making it up as you go along on stage, right? So you you kind of have to like be able to like listen to what the other person's saying and be like okay like you said this i'm gonna go along with it and like it's yes common and that. it's yeah it's a yes and is the motto among about it it's it's a lot of fun i i recommend uh i recommend you guys try it out i mean definitely philip you should be able i mean you could just take classes at the ucb like shit yeah i know a lot of people that do that yeah philip you're one of the yeah. like mo- you should be doing stand-up at this very moment so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you should go. You'll have a lot of fun, I guarantee it. I remember uh, when I was in 6th or 7th grade going out to an improv show, and they pulled me up on stage and did a skit with me. Nice. Uh, the sort of, uh, I, would speak in gib- uh, I would speak in gibberish and gesticulate wildly, and they would uh, dub me. It was the dubbing of a, <laughs> dubbing of a scene of a foreign nice. movie. And uh, I was really nervous and screwed up in the beginning, but uh, by the end, it was just hysterically funny. So that's a really good memory. So I, I feel warm towards improv comedy. Yeah, dude, you should try it out. You'd be, you'd be great at it. You're funny. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so that's basically all there is to tell. Um, unless you guys want... for I, I can like ramble about the, some of the things that I remember that we did on stage but it's not that's not really particularly interesting because well you said you're up there and your your memory kind of blanks out a little bit i i do i do have something i want to talk about and it's entirely unrelated go for it um i i wrote this down the other day um i i had i had kind of an epiphany and i feel like i have this epiphany a lot um go for it i was out if you will (laughs) a repeat epiphany um ripiphany Um, so I was out, I was out with some friends and, um, uh, it was two friends of mine and then they brought this other girl along who, you know, I, you know, was basically tasked with talking with her all night. Um, right. Because you're, you're like, oh, you're a third wheel. We'll bring along our friend and you can, yeah, we, we will you balance, can talk and then you'll, we will balance uh, we'll, the we'll wheels. Talk. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and as these things go, like I, I'm, I'm talking to her and, you know, she just seems um, you know, she's not very responsive and like, I'm trying and like, so like the, the thing that, that eternally happens is I'm like, I start, I, my first reaction in any situation when something goes wrong is like, I blame myself oh. and, and I'm, and, but like, I hey, hang on, hang on, hold on. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, 
but but then it, you know the epiphany was where it turned around. I was like, you know, I was like, maybe am I, what am I doing wrong here? And then I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like I'm I'm a pretty good conversationalist. And I like I I just viewed it objectively and I was like, you know what? She's just boring. And and then all of a sudden I felt a lot better. Like I was becoming very anxious and terrified about how this was going and then all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the pressure off me. The responsibility to carry this conversation isn't just mine. And and then I felt a lot better. And and I feel like that's there, there are so many situations where that happens to me. Yeah, dude. I definitely 100%. Yeah, I definitely identify. I was reading uh this book of interviews with uh David Foster Wallace uh recently called uh of course you end up becoming yourself. And that's the one with where the guy takes the that's the one where the guy takes the road trip yeah, with the he's SW, a, he, right? he was writing a Rolling Stone piece on Wallace. This was just after Infinite Jest had been published and while and like for the first time a novel in like living memory a novelist was a rock star. Uh and cuz he was young, good looking, uh funny, had written this you know insane incredible book. Uh and so they just they drove across the country and talked, uh, and it's the transcript of their conversations. And Wallace said something really interesting that it kind of hit me. Uh, it, it, it hit me hard. Uh, and he said, uh, "Shyness is the logical extension of self obsession." And I mean, I I, I am sometimes uh, sometimes I can be. Uh, reasonably outgoing, but it it takes work. I think I'm naturally somewhat shy. And uh, he backed it up. He said, when you're a shy person, you're constantly worrying about you, about how you appear to other people. And that is an extension of self-obsession, of of a sort of intellectual vanity. And I read that, and I was like, damn, he's right. Oh, Oh, I hate it when he's right like this because I didn't want I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear that I'm a self-obsessed person, but uh I've been trying it's, to work on that ever since to be honest. I'm trying yeah, to be less and shy. It's, it's Oh, sorry, good. Oh, I was just going to say this reminds me of something that I uh I've been thinking about a lot. Can, can I make one position. point real quick? Oh yeah, go for it. Yeah, um, yeah. Mine's I think a it's story, so. it's it's not it's not also it, I think it's it's not just self-obsession but also a very high degree of self-awareness. Um like a, a pa- painfully self-aware, yeah, self-conscious yeah. rather than self-aware, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, this reminds me of something that I've been thinking about a lot in terms of social situations: is trying to sort of like literally flip the situation on its head. Like, if I'm anxious about what someone else might think about me, like, which happens to me a lot. <laughs> um. I, uh, I'll, like, just try to imagine, like, literally being in their shoes, like, and sort of reset the scene from, like, nothing. Like, okay, so who am I? I am, you know, I am a client, and someone, you know, I am talking to this person, and they're, you know, they haven't emailed me for 18 hours. Like, well, what have I been doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's really easy to imagine them, like, sitting in front of their computer, like, why hasn't this person contacted me? What's wrong with them? When in reality, they were probably doing other things, right? And so it's like sort of resetting it and sort of like forcing yourself to imagine like the life of the other person. Like, I don't know, like uh, earlier today, I had to go back to get a, I, I bought some stuff at a store 
and then I needed to go to another store and I hadn't asked for a bag because I was like, I'm going to go right home. I'll just carry this stuff. But then I was like, well, wait, shit. I can't just go into Walgreens carrying a bunch of stuff because they'll think that I picked it up from Walgreens and won't let me leave with it. So I had to get a, go get a bag. And I was a, I was super anxious about that because I'm like, man, I'm going to look like a fucking fool asking for this bag when I said I didn't need one. And then I realized that like they're not even going to remember who I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Because I'm like, okay, well, what happens when you're a clerk and someone ask, comes into the store and is like, okay – Hey, I need. A, I need. Uh, do you mind if I get a bag for this? They're yeah. not even gonna yeah. know. Like they, they're not even gonna know you left and come back. Came back. They might think you just like paid at the other register or whatever, right? Like, yeah, they don't fucking care. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right. Retail employee, exactly. employees so, don't care. Period. And right. So exactly. So that, it's like, it's like just sort of forcing yourself to like sort of you know like reset the scene as the other person. Like I, I think of it as like like a movie like where like the camera sort of shifts from following around you know like me the protagonist of course hmm. um to you know like taking maybe you know like two or three minutes to just show like something else going on with this other character and then like all right who are they what are they doing why you know what's their motivation like all the standard character stuff and then then that like from there, you can be like, okay, well, they won't give a shit about this random person coming in and then, like, leaving. They're worried about their own stuff. Like, they got their own thing going on, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's it's getting out of your head and, and acting out of empathy. Like, exactly. Which is yes, a really exactly. important thing to do. Like, you know, if you're acting from empathy, like, you're, you, you, can, you can do worse than that. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's exactly. exactly the kind of thing I get anxious about. Like, that same situation, I would... I'd be like, I would sit for like five minutes, and be like, God damn it, I can't go back in there and get a bag, dude. That was me. I was like, I was like, shit, I can't do this, and I like tried to like jam the like stuff into my like shoulder bag, <laughs> and it just wouldn't go. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like, I need a bag, and I was like preparing mentally to go back in there and be like, look, I'm so sorry, but I know I said I didn't need a bag, but I really need one now. <laughs> oh, no. like, please don't hate me. And I was like, I like got in there and like. What snapped me out of it was the fact that the guy who 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 gave my thing wasn't even there anymore. Like he, he like got on a break or something. So I was like, okay. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Like that guy's life went on. Yeah, that guy's life went on. Like okay. Like, There's the term well adjusted, you know, and uh, right. it and it takes work. It takes work to adjust your perspective so that it's not you know on top of this throne built out built out of neuroses and thought. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, actually, just this just occurred to me. I think, I think that video games train you in the wrong way with this because NPCs uh. don't do anything other than exist, <laughs> other than exist to like serve the needs of the protagonist, right? Like that shopkeeper doesn't do shit else, and like sometimes they even get mad if you like do bother them too much, right? Like, and that's supposed to be a little funny joke, like oh, haha, like. But, like, I think that's, that's, that's a subtle thing that, like, no, like, none of those other characters have a real lives or do anything. A generation and, like, of socially maladjusted people based on fictional shopkeepers. I don't know, dude. I think I think there's something to that. Man, no, no, no. no. It sounds not. plausible. That the, it, it, You really... Uh, uh, my brain's whirring away now. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, it's not, you know, the, we are not a, the first generation to be, to be awkward and self-aware overly self-aware but uh you know i think i think there's it's something about also just you know modern culture in general and like how we want 
we expect everything to be like sort of you know like a robotic process of like you know oh I like order my thing on Amazon and it shows up and there's no humor interaction whatsoever right like I got I ordered some uh, audio gear for this podcast actually and they like called me on the phone and I was like oh shit is there something wrong no they were just calling me on the phone to like thank me and say like how did you hear about us and say like if you need anything call us oh wow. Yeah, I, I, I would not like, be able to what? deal with that. I was, I was so confused. I was yeah. dumbfounded. It's, I didn't it's, know. it's like the I'm fourth like, wall was broken. Mm. Yeah, it was like, what? Okay, sure. And then they like emailed me to follow up. Like, hey, if you need anything, here's my email address. And like, I actually had to email them too. Like, because my, uh, my har- apartment building was burgled. Um, some dude. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. that's not funny, but burgled is Burgled is a word. funny word, but holy funny shit. Word. Your apartment building was burgled? Word. So what happened is somehow they got access to the fireman's, uh, like, box. Like they got access to the key that opens up the fireman's box, which has, like, you know, a key to the, the door and everything. Like yeah. Because the fire department needs to get in. They don't want to have the fire department, like, breaking their doors and shit, right? So um, they uh, – and they got in and they went into, the, like, the supply closet where the packages were stored and they, like, stole the stuff. Bastards. Um, they stole a bunch of packages and only left. That's so like, shit. Yeah, what, what, what a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? Like, who would do that? Like, I hope they got something really stupid. I hope somebody like bought a, a bunch of adult a, diapers. They, they, <laughs> well, they got for me. They got a, a mic stand with a boom and a pop screen. So yeah. they're gonna well, fucking Pat, Pat, Patrick live is secret- it up with that. Patrick is secretly hoping they got 100 copies of The Wind Waker. Yeah, fuckers. <laughs> I hope they got Wind Waker. I hope they got Credence Clearwater Revival CDs. <laughs> and other things that suck. You're tearing this family apart, Patrick. I'm sorry. I, it's only because I love you guys so much that uh, I'm able to <laughs> express these these dissenting opinions. I, I, I'm willing to entertain your dissent with regard to the Wind Waker, but... With regard to Creed's Clearwater Revival, you have not a leg to stand on, sir. It's 100% agree. I will... Their it, music is incredibly fun. It is not bad music. I will say it is not, uh, it is not technically, uh, poor. They're fine musicians, fine singers. It just, bo- it is music that bores me. Uh... It is a bunch, it is a bunch of dudes from San Francisco singing songs about how great, uh, the South is. And how great Louisiana <laughs> is, and how great it is to live in the swamp. Uh, it is straight ahead four four quasi blues, uh, bluesy rockish stuff. It's it's completely ubiquitous. I mean, you can't you can't listen to all uh, these radio for more than six hours without hearing uh, CCR. Uh, I just, is that really their fault, though? No, 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 really no, no. Fault? It's not entire, and it's not entirely their fault. Uh, they're held up as very right. authentic music, as authentic, you know, southern rock, and that's not their fault. I don't think they ever went out and said, "Hey, yeah. we're from Louisiana." Not their fault that they're prolific. No, it's not their fault they're prolific. It's not their fault that they're that they're popular. Uh, but it just fails to move me in pretty much any sense. If you want to listen to like good, you know, like bluesy southern rock listen to like muddy waters listen to howling wolf uh like i just think that ccr is there's a significant difference though that that ccr adds a significant 
danceability, particularly to to music that beyond what Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters. Yeah, there, there's a fr- there's a frivolity. So you say that you're in favor of frivolous music. In this case, yes. I, not not frivolous. I that it has notes of frivolity. Overtones. Overtones. <laughs> okay, I mean, I guess that's no, fair. No. I listen to a lot of music that people would classify as frivolous and stupid. So, Patrick, you at one time were addicted to Lady Gaga. Uh, that is personal, and I would appreciate you not bringing that up. motherfucker. <laughs> hey, the Fame Monster is a solid EP, and I will stand behind that. And I agree with you. I have not actually heard it in its entirety, but I don't. I I feel like the songs of Lady Gaga that I have heard are not bad. They are. They are in fact I'm, not I'm, bad at I'm, all. I'm see. I'm glad. See, that's why. That's why this works. We can always circle around to an agreement. Yeah, we can always agree that Majora's Mask is the best Zelda. Yes. <laughs> Anybody but else you- who thinks that's incorrect can go fuck themselves. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, my feelings uh, about CCR may have been magnified to draw your ire uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I, I would expect nothing less. It was a Saturday. I didn't have much to do. I figured, you know, hey. <laughs> what I love is when other people on Twitter get wrapped up in these. Oh, you would not believe the flack favorite. I got for slamming CCR on Twitter. It made no, no, no. Like when. Oh yeah, yeah that. But like specifically when like someone like like Zach Dreyer or Alex Levinson, or, like, Alex Levinson will agree with me on uh, the on the issue of Wind Waker because he and I sat and played it and and traded off the on, off the controller. And after several sailing episodes, I'm like, "Are you having fun?" Because I'm not having fun at all. And he's like, "I hate this." Sure, but I just yes, indeed, but. I See, just find it fascinating that, like, our, like, little, like, thing where we, like, egg each other on and, like, rib each other ends up becoming these, like, somewhat semi-serious discussions with other people who are not necessarily in on the joke. <laughs> 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 it's just a little it's weird. It's just collateral one of those weird damage. Things. It's just one of those weird things about Twitter. It makes it better for me. Weird Twitter. Yeah. Weird and Twitter. at the end of the day, if, if, you know, I have an argument with you guys and somebody gets trolled in the crossfire, hey... <laughs> Crossfire, you get caught in the crossfire. Crossfire. The game. Crossfire. The game that possibly sucks. Uh, I was looking for copies of Crossfire, the game that possibly sucks, on uh, on eBay, and they're like a hundred and twenty dollars. So I'll throw in. I'm not willing to drop that sort of money on a game on a board game that might yeah that my memories might have uh. Ro- I mean, sure, surely we could build our own crossfire. Uh, but then it would be awesome, because we're awesome. It's true. We, if we built crossfire, it would be pretty good. We'd put an Arduino <laughs> in the base. Am I right? It's already better. Yeah. One, it wouldn't be made out of shitty cardboard. That was a big problem. That that the cardboard problem. did not have the tensile strength to support very many of those ball bearings. Yeah. So it would start to sag in the middle, especially if you'd had it for a while. And then it just became impossible to play because you're like, all right, the ball bearings just get stuck in the center. They're not actually making it across. And this, like, mechanism that I have to fire doesn't allow me to actually, like, put more or less, (laughs) apply more or less force to the ball. So I really don't have an option here. I mean, 
Crossfire was like the bullshit metal version um, of of Hungry Hungry Hippos. It was the Shadow the Hedgehog to Sonic. Mm. Whoa. A board game that I remember loathing was Mousetrap. I loved that game. It that broke. Game was awesome. It was it was awesome for the three times it worked, and then one of the fifty uh, quadrillion plastic pieces uh, that composed that game would go missing, or it would break, and then you would have uh, a box full of plastic pieces that you couldn't bear to throw away, but that you would never use again. Yeah, I, the- I almost. I- I almost want to accuse you of not being fastidious enough, but I'm not sure if that's, I'm not sure that's possible. Colin, you know me. Uh, I know that I know, I know, but like I had no problem keeping all the parts together. Like I had a copy of it that we played all the time. I I don't know. Like I I feel, I feel like there was this whole genre of board games and not, no, there was a whole genre of things in life, but let me limit it to board games. (laughs) <laughs> that 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 I feel my father protected me from, because um, he was like like because I would see them on television like like I think I would include I would definitely include Mousetrap and there was that that bullshit game with like the play doh bugs called Splat. I don't like, remember all that. these games that looked really appealing yeah. but had a bunch of bullshit pieces that annoyed my dad at no end because he was like I'm gonna have to fucking like pick those things up or like you know <laughs> fix it when it breaks. So like I'd be like oh check that out. He'd be like son. That's terrible. Hmm. You don't want that. He did the same thing with Boy Scouts. <laughs> Probably saved so you. So thanks, Dad. Props to Dad. Props to Mr. Bowden. To Thank ha- you, Philip's father. To hell with the Boy Scouts, although, by the way. Although, I hope my dad never listens to this. <laughs> I'll have you know my parents listen to this podcast. My parents listen to this, too. Well, your parents are markedly different from my parents. It's true. In, bo- in both respects. <laughs> uh, we gotta talk about Angel Maker. We gotta talk about Angel Maker. Have you read that, anything? That's, this, that's the second Harkaway book, right? Yeah, have you yeah. read anything by Harkaway? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm finishing The Gone Away World. Now that is a fucking amazing book. Are you enjoying it? Oh, I love it. Have you... How far into the book are you? Um, I haven't picked it up in a while, actually. I've been reading a lot of technical literature. Um... But I think I'm a little over halfway through. He may not have, have hit you, have the, got... the twist. Yeah, Let, yeah, let's have... let's let's maybe leave this discussion. Okay. Yeah. Have you have you have you reached the twist? If you've reached the twist, you'll know. Then I don't think so. Okay. Then you. All right. Cool. Then we will then not we'll talk about the Gone away. away World by Nick Harkaway, which is an excellent book. Listeners, go you buy should, it. Everybody should read it. But we we should we should talk about it with a like spoiler bumper in front of it, like you know. Spoiler alert, like, skip ahead if you don't want to hear about it, because that book is worthy of discussion. Next episode, perhaps. Next, when yeah, Philip has uh, hit yeah. the... Just, just chill until the next episode. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, Dr. Dre. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Angel Maker, fantastic. Really enjoying it. Uh, I feel like it's it's a worthy sophomore effort, like, in... in, in in, in the best way of like, like, uh, I don't know, just taking the, the themes and the structures that he's playing with in the gone away world and sort of, you know, uh, like a, like kind of like fractal, like sort of zooming out and like, you see those scenes repeated, you know, those little like microcosms, like 
he makes good use of the flashback. Yeah, the flashback, in, various perspectives. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, so in, in, in the Gone Away world, there's basically one big flashback, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the most of the story takes place, place in a flashback. Yeah. And in Angel Maker, <clears throat> he has multiple of those flashbacks happening. Um, not, you know, not at once, not nested, but like multiple characters with different perspectives that are flashing back to stuff earlier in their life. And um, uh, I feel like his, the language, the level of language has gone, is, is a little bit amped up a little bit, a little more poetic, a little more, there's definitely a lot more French. Uh. <laughs> you know, he's the son uh, of probably the best spy author ever, John le Carre. Yeah, that kind of blew my mind. That kind of blew it, my is mind. It, is it Le Carre or is it Le Carre? It's Le Carre. There's an uh, uh, there is a an accent over the final e. Okay, so that means you. I don't know anything about French pronunciation. So uh, French orthography pronounce? is completely and totally insane. Uh, I was reminded of this by my recent visit to France, where I was completely unable to pronounce anything. You should talk about your visit to France. Uh, sure. Well, uh. It was friggin' incredible. It was really, really, I mean, I, I made a vow to myself. Uh, no Twittering, no email, uh, almost no internet. I, I checked my work email once every two days or so, uh, and that was it. Uh, and I stayed off Twitter. Uh, I kept my phone on airplane mode. And that was, you know, on one level, it's silly to, say, to, to crow about this like it's a big achievement, but... For our generation, it is a big achievement to stay off the internet for a whole week. I let's come back to that. I have, I have, we all, I have thoughts about. This. Yes, uh, yes, y- yes. Uh, you do, you do. Uh, let's and, and back it, it doesn't make me. It certainly doesn't make me a better person. Uh, t- take an action item. Take an action item to talk about that later. Ugh. Table it. Yeah, we'll table it. We'll take it offline. We'll take it offline. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was, it was just truly wonderful. I got to see my parents who live in Paris now. Uh, then we went up to Normandy, uh, where we ate like kings. Uh, we stayed in a country house that was just gorgeous. Uh, really, uh, an old house that was uh, furnished in a very modern style. Uh, I brought a ton of books. I read uh, Angel Maker again. I read Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. I read the uh, um, the David Foster Wallace book. Uh, I read the latest William Gibson book. Uh, and, uh, we visited a lot of really cool stuff, including, uh, the, uh, uh, the sites of the Normandy invasions. Uh, I have a distant relative who died in the Normandy invasions on Sword Beach. Uh, and so we visited his grave. Uh, it was, it was really tremendously moving. Uh, but what I think I will remember and what impressed me the most was I knew the stereotype of the ungrateful Frenchman wasn't true. Uh, Frenchmen are the French people are very reasonable. They're very uh, conscious of you know history. They don't they don't have uh, uh, any more distorted of a viewpoint than your your average well educated American does. Uh, but what I wasn't expecting was that they would still be so profoundly uh, demonstrative of their gratitude towards the Allies, towards the Liberation Forces, and towards the French Resistance 50, 60 years on. Uh, you still have billboards up that say thank you to our liberators. You still have these, uh, you still have these museums which are just, they're packed full of people uh, about the resistance, 
about the invasions, about the atrocities that uh, went on, about uh, any, it's, it's really complicated morally. When you take the French resistance, every resistance member knew that for every action they took, uh, French, uh, French prisoners would die. And they went on and they did it anyway. I mean, any question of simple morality of uh, right versus wrong goes out the window there. Yeah. Uh, and, what I, and I was just really blown away by how uh, profound and sincere and simple of uh, gratitude it was towards uh, that, that still it's ingrained into their consciousness. Uh, it, w- it really... It was almost the other it might way. Be, uh, uh, some sort of a sort of a healing, sort of you know, therapeutic sort of thing to cover up the just immense trauma of having not one but two wars and like significant you know encroachments into their their territory happen within within a generation. Really, yeah. like, well, I think it's it's particularly bad for Normandy because uh, I mean that's that's where the that's where the invasion happened. Uh, and then there's, I mean, there's a point in going through the museum in Caen uh, of the invasions where they're like, and this is the part where the Allies bombed this city essentially into rubble because uh, they, because the Germans were entrenched and uh, infantry attacks weren't making any progress. And how do you create a museum exhibit about that, about the time when your city was bombed by its putative liberators? Uh, it's really difficult, really thought-provoking, and really moving. So uh, everybody should go to Normandy. Damn. It's really, it's really pretty incredible. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what were we going to wheel around and refer to? Uh, internet yeah. time. Ah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I've been upset about. Th- I, I. This is something that really incenses me. Um. When when people kind of, and I I I, I made uh, a joke about this on Twitter the other day, um, when when people kind of moralistically uh, announce they're like, oh well I've unfollowed half the people I follow on Twitter or, hey everybody I've unsubscribed from two hundred RSS feeds like, or I quit Facebook like you know what congratulations like I think that's a very reasonable thing to do and you know I think it's a very beneficial thing to do. But but like I said, like on on, on Twitter, like it's, saying that on Twitter, like like writing on the internet, that you're gonna do that is like walking up to a group of smokers while they're sitting there smoking on the street and be like, "Hey everybody, I just quit smoking. Like you should all quit too." Yeah, you should definitely it's, not it's, be moralistic about it. It's it's just silly. Yeah, it's it's it, yeah, it's it's horrible. I mean, and and. I kind of obliquely tweeted about this earlier earlier today, but you know, in the guise of trying to to say like I feel like I spend, I I feel like Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff is very valuable. However, I feel myself coming back to it not to get value out of the content that's on there, but because I'm looking for that like dopamine mm-hmm. hit of like right. mm-hmm. new tweets, new articles, new Facebook updates, and like <clears throat> I want to try and cut that out. Yeah, like just sort of dopamine-seeking behavior of, like, refreshing RSS all, like, ah, and, like, you know, like, shit like that. And, like, actually, like, okay, if I'm doing that, like, let's go read a book or play a video game or 
exercise or anything else, right? Like, I still get tremendous value out of Twitter and out of Facebook and everything like that. I love that stuff. Like, it's fucking yeah. awesome. I, I think I think people <laughs> tend people tend to throw out nuance with things like this because like, and you see it. It's a it, it comes in cycles. Like, you know, with yeah. every new medium that people are scared of, people always get to this point where they're like, you know, fuck this. I'm gonna go live in a cabin in the woods. Like, you know, kill your TV, kill your Twitter, kill your Facebook. Like, and and in all those cases, the common factor is not the technology. It's us. Mm. Yep. Like, it's like we're unable to modulate when something is is so appealing. Well, right. I mean, because it, it's, it's basic. Like, the problem is, not problem, but the rub is that the same mechanisms that people use to get you to engage with the new medium are the same ones that there's no regulation mechanism, right? There's no right. thing that's like, take a break. It's, like, you know, like, like, it's like the infinite. Sort of the ham-fisted attempt on the Wii, actually, of of the like, you've been playing for a while. Why don't you go outside and take yeah. a break? <laughs> Metal Gear Has Solid. anybody actually ever taken a break when that screen comes up? No. No one. Because they're like, shut up. Give me the game. Give me the game. I want to play the game. Like, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 4 like, would do that to you. If you were played past 2.30 a.m., yeah. it would send you a little moralistic message saying, boy, it's late. Don't you think you should take a break? And the first time I played Metal Gear Solid all the way through, I was... Uh, I had to stay up all night uh, for a seizure test. I had seizures in high school, uh, and part of the seizure screening is that before you go for your like regular seizure checkup, you have to stay up all night. So I had I had uh, the force of the mar- I had the moral high ground. So I got to <laughs> shake my fist at the television screen and say, "Don't tell me what to do, Hideo Kojima." Yeah, I that that when I got that message, it even it took on a creepy overtone for me. Like it kind of set, like sent a chill up my spine because like you get that kind of shit in Metal Gear Solid games where it just you know kind of you know not scary but unnerving shit sometimes happens. Like where they break the fourth wall. Oh, they love the. I see fun. you've been playing a lot of Super Mario yes. Sunshine. <laughs> that was a, it's truly it's such a great series, partially because it's so unafraid to break the fourth wall. Uh, Did. Did you guys see the the trailer for the I I how many fucking Metal Gear Solid games are coming out like there are two um, in the pipeline at this point. Yeah, not not Metal Gear Rising, but the the other I have one not with Snake, I, well, or with with Big Boss. I have only uh I I've I've only heard about it. I'm almost saving the trailer for when I need a pick me up. It's 10 I minutes hadn't long. I've heard about this at all. So, enlighten me. Yeah, it's it's like this 10 minute long like and it's it's a I think it's it's a gameplay trailer, or at least parts of it are like it's it's in engine and it's beautiful. But what um, what what is the premise of this project? I have no idea. I hadn't even heard about this. It's like, it's it's a, a continuation of the story of Big Boss. Um, at okay. least as far as I can tell, like at the beginning, like it kind of it, so you it's think, sort of a Snake Eater sequel. Yeah, like you kind of think it could be Snake, but because he's about as old as he is in four. But they, I think they reveal later that it's Big Boss. But like. Yeah, he's he's sneaking into like this compound, um, and the, there wasn't much in there. Didn't seem to be much in the way of story in um, the trailer, I and mean, other than you know they, they were they would just drop these little uh, you know crowd pleasing parts, like you'd see like the foxhound logo or <laughs> like other weird shit like that. But um, it it like it looks beautiful. Naturally, those guys oh, right. they. This is a game that uh, Hideo Kojima had to cut significant content out of Metal Gear Solid 4 because he couldn't fit it on a Blu-ray disc. 
Jeez. You have like 40, how, how many gigabytes does a Blu-ray disc support? 64 bit. So many bits. That is so many bits. Yeah, man, it's got 64. That's double yours. Yes. Yours is only 32. So many bits. Uh, and did you know that there is a film Metal Ge- of Metal Gear Solid uh, in pre-production? Mm, in actual pre-production or in like pr- in like production hell? According, well, according to uh, press release in pre-production, and you know who has expressed interest in playing the role of Snake? Christian Bale. Oh my god. That will totally work. <laughs> I, I, I'm almost mad because it's like, it's too good. It's too perfect. It's too perfect. How dare anything be I, that I, perfect? I know. I was like, no, I want someone like, some unknown, like someone who is like, who can just be Snake forever. Like, <laughs> I, why does it have to be Christian Bale? You know I kind I mean? of wish, I kind of wish it could be David Hayter. He's not, yeah. uh, he's not, you know, the, the thing about <laughs> Christian Bale. Enough, he's not fit enough. He's not fit enough. That's the thing. Christian Bale that's is. That's why it's funny. What scientists refer to as a hunk of man meat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they could sh- CGI that shit, man. Like, they could get it to work. You know what I mean? Like, but why, why bring like, CGI, CGI abs and stuff? Why bring in CGI yep. when you have somebody who is willing to completely abnormally venerate his body? I mean. Like, look at what he... He went from an American psycho... Oh, God. The machinist. To the machinist. The machinist, yeah. To that, Batman. That will haunt yeah. my dreams. Uh, dude does not... Dude is out of his mind. Ah. Uh, I just hope he doesn't... Speaking of Batman voice, which I hope he doesn't... I hope he, they, they have him do an, a fairly normal sneak voice, not like just the, the out of out of fucking control Batman voice that's impossible <clears throat> to understand. Yeah. Snake I, voice I, is I, halfway I, between Batman voice and real voice. Yeah. Right, but like but but I want to talk about the Judge Dredd trailer. I I have not I seen it. I haven't watched the Dredd trailer. I never got into Judge it, Dredd. So, so I will I will I'll simplify it for you and tell you this. The movie appears to be The Raid Redemption plus CGI and Batman voice. Mm. Mm. Judge Dredd speaks in Batman voice. Did, did you see the Stallone Judge Dredd? No, I have not. I, it's supposed to be okay. Yeah, yeah, I was just curious. It's supposed to be worth watching, but I have not seen it. It's just a franchise I never really got into. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to admit I have very little knowledge or affection for Ju- Judge Dredd. I have I have zero knowledge. The only thing I know about Judge Dredd is I am the law. <laughs> that's it that's literally all i know oh and what i learned in the raid re- uh in the uh <laughs> the raid redemption oh, that movie's and so the, the good. judge in the judge dread trailer for the new one but yeah the raid redemption fuck man that movie is amazing patrick have you watched that? i don't believe so you must watch it it's on itunes yeah. um it's on i think it's on amazon uh on netflix too but it's it's this uh southeast asian movie right yeah, 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 right. yeah. Southeast yeah. Asian from Indonesia. Southeast Asian action movie, which is, should be all you need to know, really, because those guys make some fucking great movies. Ong Bak, um, yeah, Ong Bak, uh, Bapa Ratri, Flower of the Night. That was a fucking awesome sort of horror comedy movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, there's just there's just tons of great Southeast Asian cinema, and like, uh, it basically the the premise is that. Um, there's this like sort of compound, like 
you know, like a tower, you know, like an apartment building. And it's been totally taken over by these, these like mafia dudes basically and turned it into like this like sort of safe haven for anyone that they want to like protect. They can just live in this building and it's like totally tr- tr- like full of badasses and like traps everywhere. And like basically the movie is these, these cops trying to go in there and clear it out. That sounds pretty awesome. I have to say. And it's pretty fucking yeah. sweet. Cause like, they like, they move around between the levels and they do a really good job of keeping you oriented about where people are. And like, it's just a really tight movie. That like, sounds great. Really I'll have to watch it. And really well. The fight choreography is spectacular too. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they really mix up the fight choreography so that it is not, people have guns, but they also do not use guns in a, ridiculous way like people get up and close and personal and then they don't try to shoot each other they like punch each other is it the they sort of movie that counts or bullets or is it not the sort of movie that count counts bullets um i mean i, I i'd lean towards no interesting yeah i would lean they're, 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 most of the guns they're using are automatic weapons of some yeah. sort or semi-automatics so it's not really an issue like you know, with a semi-automatic handgun, you have, you know, like 30 or 40 bullets in a clip. And with a with an, you know, an automatic rifle, you know, you have hundreds and hundreds of bullets. So people people do run out of ammo sometimes, but okay. only I mean, when it, the story calls. That for doesn't it. indicate only when the story calls for it. it. It doesn't indicate much about a movie because you can have a movie like Shoot 'em Up starring Clive Owen, <laughs> which is a brilliant, amazing, hilarious okay. movie. And it counts bullets, but I it's also the most ridiculous movie pos- like ever made. I I don't think have we talked about this for because uh, no. I when I saw that movie, I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I was so happy. It was so much fun. And my friends that I saw it with, we walk out of the theater. I'm like, guys, like, what did you think of that movie? It was so good. And they were like, that was the stupidest movie I've ever seen. And I gotta watch this thing. It's that very was, polarizing. Uh, my roommate in college hated it, and my other roommate loved it. Did you guys see the spirit? Yes. Uh, no, I did not. Colin, I, you and I have I talked really about this. I really liked The Spirit. I thought it was a great movie. I hated it. It got panned. Wow, really? it, you know, I think I was like probably, I'm probably the only person I know who liked it. Um, I really thought it was great. Like, I, I'm tempted to go back and watch it just to see if there's something there. Me too. I mean, like, I'm tempted to go back and watch like, it and wonder if I was, you know, like, not feel, like I was feeling particularly good that day and was like, just let it roll off me like, hmm. That was enjoyable. Like, yeah. Like I, I remember just being profoundly bored. Like I, it takes a lot for me to regret a movie going experience. Like even if the movie's bad, but I was upset that I didn't spend that time wow, playing with a, my balls. That's a true one star wow. review right there. That's yeah. a true one star. Yeah. You know, two, two is bad. I would say two for me is bad. One is like you regret you either you just give up and don't even finish it or you just regret even watching it. Yeah. yeah that was a complete waste of time. Yeah. I, you know, that, and then like that, it's equivalent to me walking. I don't walk out of movies, but that, that if I had walked out of a movie, it might've been that. One. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I really, I thought it was great. I had a great time with it. I thought it was imaginative and inventive and like the visuals were great. And like, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I might, I might be wrong. I mean, I only watched it the once, so, I, I do remember there There was the only scene in that movie that stuck with me was the bit where Sam Jackson was talking about runny eggs. Uh, yeah, it has Sam <laughs> Jackson in it. That's all I know. And it was directed by Frank Miller. And that uh, yes. I've never seen this movie, but Frank Miller is a crazy person. And uh, 
total misogynist and uh oh yeah he's an awful person he's an yes. awful person i enjoy his his uh his comic books though yeah i i mean i like i like some of his comic books not all of them uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean like but i mean i i like his 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 art style is nice yeah. and I, I think he makes he makes some good comics. But books. thinking about a he whole movie directed solely by him and not by Robert Rodriguez with with input from him, which is what Sin City was and Sin City is a fantastic movie. Uh I I I'm wary. I'm wary. I I would give it a shot, but I'm wary. Yeah, I mean I would I, I think before I would recommend it to anybody, I I think I would want to watch it again to see. Um but what what is this movie with Clive Owen? Shootout? I'd never heard Shoot of it. Shoot him up. Shoot him up. Yeah, yeah. Pa- when did Paul it come Giamatti out? is the villain. When did this come out? It's um, I'd say probably two thousand nine. Yeah, two thousand nine. Okay, that makes sense. Two thousand eight, maybe two thousand eight. I think two thousand eight, two thousand nine ish. But like the, the the funny thing about the movie is like you know the conceit of it is it's you know a shoot 'em up like it's it's a you know just a full on shootout flick but it's at its at its heart. It's Bugs Bunny versus Elmer. Yes. Yes. It is very, it is cartoonish. I would describe it as cartoonish. Yeah. And there are nods to it. Yes. Like there, there is a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of carrot imagery. Yes. Uh, it's very, and by carrot imagery, he means people getting killed using carrots. How does that work? You're going to have to watch the movie. 15 seconds of that because I had to take off my headphones. What? (laughs) Uh, oh man. There's no way we're going to be able to edit this properly. Uh, That's fine. Go for it. Roll with so, it. So Philip was mentioning that uh, it's uh, it's a cartoonish movie, and it's Bugs Bunny versus uh, Elmer Fudd. Uh, and there's even carrot imagery. And then I chimed in by saying uh, that there's uh, that people are killed with carrots. How does that work? Wow. You're going to have to watch the movie, Colin. That's cr- That's cr- this rem- reminds me of, uh, I don't know if we talked about it, but it reminds me of Bunraku, which yes. uh, Philip and I watched. I don't think I've ever we, seen uh, this. When, when you were here in, in June. Bunraku featuring Steve Strezza. Yes. The, 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 the uh, what's that guy's name? Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Josh Hartnett stars in it. And uh, he, he, his mustache and goatee and hat are the spitting image of Steve Strezza. I can absolutely see spitting that working. image. It is insane. Like we took a photo, of, we took a photo of him in the movie and sent it to Streza, and Streza was like, "Wow, yeah." I think he'd actually heard of it before too. Yeah, he knew what it was immediately. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, it's a good movie. Like I, I went back and I watched it again, and it was it, it was great. Yeah, it was fun. It had a, a really unique and imaginative sets and visual design, and like. Uh, I, I thought the script was really fun and like uh, the cast was good. Woody Harrelson, uh, yeah. Ron Perlman, Gak, uh, Gacked, Gacked, A-T. yeah, yeah, Gacked played his play. He played Misrugi basically. Um, but yeah, like that movie also got panned. That has like a twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Yeah, I looked it up and it, like it didn't surprise me. I could see, I could very easily see a lot of people hating that movie. I could see a lot of regular people hating it, but, like, film critics? Like, really? Yeah. I, I, mean, I, like... I thought it was fun, and it was, like, it was a breath of fresh air. Like, it had a very fresh visual style, like, the whole, like, paper theater thing going on. Yeah. Like, 
I guess if you if you're if what you want in a movie is like, you know, gritty, hard action, like if that's what you're looking for, like then it probably would disappoint you because it was very goofy. I'll have to check this film out. Like, I'm I'm a big fan of goofy but, uh, action movies. It's on it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if, if you're like you know someone who like not to say this is a bad movie in any way, but like a movie like like taking a film one two three like. Gritty, realistic action movie, right? That's a good movie, yeah. It is a good movie, absolutely. But if like that, those are the sorts of action movies that you're 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 writing about, and that's what you want. And you you see like seven or eight of those each year, right? Like, yep, right. And then this Ben Rocker movie comes along, and you're like, oh, okay, like that's what I'm expecting. And then it like just it totally out of left field what it's doing. I could kind of see that not being up your alley. Makes sense. So I hate to shift topics entirely, but if we don't talk about rap music on this episode, then we will have broken our streak of uh, five consecutive episodes in which we talk about rap music. So we have to talk about the new Lil Wayne mixtape. Take it away. It's, uh, is it as good as his uh, genre-defining, uh, as his medium-defining works of 2007, where uh, he where for once his claims that he was truly the best rapper alive were actually true. No, it's not, it's not as good as his other tapes like uh, Dedication 2 or The Drought 3. Uh, but it's really a lot of fun, and especially for a CD that is free. You can just Google the name Dedication 4 and download it. Uh, it's really quite good. Uh, got a lot of pretty good features on it. Uh, and but it, it excels at what what Lil Wayne does best, which is uh, punchlines. I the fir- the first few times I listened to it, I was just cracking up every other couple minutes because he's very funny. It's a it's a CD full of jokes. It's try him trying to make <laughs> you laugh. Now I'm li- imagining Lil Wayne doing stand up comedy. Oh my god, that would be <laughs> that would either be completely disastrous or the best thing ever, or both. Yes. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be the first weird thing he's tried. God, he tried to make a rock album, and that album was one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever heard in my life. And I'm a big Lil Wayne fan. I think he's genius. But that was a terrible album. He also tried to skate. Uh, there are many videos of him on YouTube skateboarding very poorly. Oh, yeah, he's not, he's not so good, but uh, he's, he, he, he's persevering, and that's what's important. He makes a lot of attempts uh, at talking about topical events on videos on the internet, but then eventually just talks about himself. Yeah, because he's always high out of his mind. <laughs> like that time he had that video where ostensibly he was talking about the death of Steve Jobs, but really yes. ended up talking about himself for 60 minutes. Oh, yeah. Skateboarding. It was, it, and it was awesome. It was awesome. But it was not about Steve Jobs. It was about Lil Wayne. Yeah. He's a. Have you guys seen the documentary? I've seen that video. It sounds amazing. Have you guys seen the documentary about Lil Wayne? No, I haven't. No, you told me about uh, it. You guys really should check it out. Uh, he keeps trying to sue the people who make it because it portrays him. Yeah, we no, we watched a little bit of this in, when I was in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched a bit of it. I don't remember what we why we didn't finish it, but. Uh, uh, I think we fell asleep. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and 
Because it portrays him as the drug addict that he is. I mean, he has serious addiction problems. It's clear to anyone he knows him. It doesn't... His addictions don't impair him from making, uh... From, uh, making good music. But he he goes on camera and says terrible, terrible things. Because he's high out of his mind. And so it, it's a really good documentary because it's not a hagiography. Uh, it's, uh, very, it's really rather gripping. And you see that there is an artist there, somebody who's very serious about his craft. And he was a child star, you know, he was, uh, when he was 12 years old, he was in a rap group. He was writing all the lyrics for his, for his three other, uh, compatriots. Uh, he's been born and bred to be who he is, a rapper, uh, and a gay, an impervious celebrity, uh, but he's got all of these personal problems and he's he's really and he says some terrible, terrible things. Uh, so it's a really awesome documentary for that very reason, because it's not hagiography. Anyway, so now we've uh, achieved our uh, quotient of talking about rap. Is there anything you guys want to cover? The new Adams for Peace. Oh, Adams for Peace. Yes. The band with uh, with Tom York of Radiohead, Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Who else is in that? Nigel Godrich. Uh, yes, the recording artist for uh, uh, the uh, producer for Radiohead. Produce, yeah. And many other bands. Yeah. Um, who Back. else? There's two other people in it. I don't remember who they are, though. Um, but yeah, it looks fucking awesome. Yeah, and they're going to release a, track. a CD. I haven't heard that sample track yet. Because I've been... Oh, it's so good. It's totally... Like... Radiohead's music is very... It's very melodic. And it's very, like... From a, like... Music theory standpoint, it was... It's very... You know, it's very, it's very you know, like, theoretically correct. Like, they take some liberties and, you know, make breaks. But in, a, but in an interesting way. This is, is like... It, it, it's more like a hip hop style production where huh. it's just like we do what the fuck ever, and there's just like the 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 the, the chord changes are not. It just like changes. Like there's more about sound than actual like a, a melody, and it's like really weird. Like it's crazy. Well, there's some weird ass shit going. Well, on Tom song. York has been uh, working with hip hop artists recently. Uh, he remixed an MF Doom song, and he's been working with Flying yeah. Lotus as well. Yeah, yeah, he's working with Flylo, but I mean, it's not hip hop in terms of it's 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 more hip hop in terms of like it is not theoretically informed at all, mm. and and like like RZA is a good example of that. Like he breaks all of the rules, the standard rules of music theory, like all the time. Like oh, I also wanted to mention that I'm going to a Jizza concert one week re- one week from now. Yes, I'm so excited. Excellent. He is slated to play the entirety of Liquid Swords. Ah, so jealous. Yes. That album is really good. It's fantastic. They just came out with the collector's edition, which comes with a commemorative Wu Tang Clan uh, chessboard and chess set. Holy shit! Yes. Yeah. The only my only regret about it is that it is on this is a CD box set, so the chessboard and chess set are CD size. Oh, that's oh. oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it is not on vinyl, which I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was on vinyl too. Now I'm depressed. No, it's CD. It's CD. Some weak shit, Jezza. Yeah, we're all very disappointed, Jezza. Yeah, that's an interesting album, though, because it's so cerebral. It's possibly the most cerebral hip-hop album ever made. I mean, it never dips into the the classic tropes of hip-hop, 
it doesn't discuss, you know, partying, drugs, women, uh, crime, really, as anything more than an abstract uh, background. It's so intellectual. It's yeah. it's really a remarkable, yeah, I mean, remarkable work. Yeah, it, he talks about crime a little bit, but yeah, you, like you said, more about it's more about as an abstract sort of a like as a stand-in for 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 fighting against the system. Yeah, it's it's really remarkable. Uh, Pitchfork gave re rated it and gave it a ten, so that's uh, pretty cool. I think <laughs> Pitchfork re ratings are always so fucking hilarious. They re rated Andrew WK's first album. Uh, recently. Oh my god, that's so good! It was so good. The original they originally gave it like like a five or something like that, like a four and a half. Right? Uh, the, yeah, they gave it zero point six out of ten. The originally, yes, yeah, right. Really, they gave the original score was that low. Yes, they they panned it. They panned it, and then they re-reviewed it and they gave it like an eight point seven. Yes, right? like, which is statistically <laughs> the largest jump in a review. But that album is crap. It's fun crap, but it's crap. That's- that's great inflection, man. I think it's just that like Andrew WK has become kind of a like hip like, you know what I mean? He, he's become kind of a a, a a hip dude. He's like, so not cool that he that it wraps around and he becomes cool. Well, he did, just doesn't give a fuck. Did, did you he guys ever, gives no fucks? Did you guys ever see that video of him performing at the gathering of the Juggalos, just trolling the shit out of the audience? <laughs> no. I'll, I'll post this in the show shake. It's one of my favorite things ever, but. He is basically on stage in front of all these jugglers who are throwing shit at him, and he's doing the fucking running man. Like, he's like, this is for you! And he's just, like, saying it over and over and <laughs> over again. That is amazing. Just ad nauseum. <laughs> and it's, it's sublime. I remember seeing him on CNN, oh and there's some talking head anchor uh, interviewing him and asking, and he starts making a face. Yes! And he makes the face more and more horrific. And eventually it's consuming, like, his entire visage and his, his, the veins on his neck are standing out. And then it all snaps down and uh, he says, yes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, you have to give it to Andrew WK. Uh, it may not make good music, but he's, he's stuck around. He's stuck around. Yeah. He's a relevant. I don't, even know if, I don't even know if I would agree that his music is not good. It is, because uh, it's not about, he's not a musician making music, he's a performance artist. Yeah, yeah, it's not really, like. But, I mean, it's pretty vacuous music. I feel like it, it's, it's, it's successful as performance art. When we Very like to party, so, like, we will party hard. Party hard, <laughs> party hard, party hard, party hard. Did you know he's a classically trained pianist? Yes, I did. I got into an Andrew W.K., uh, Wikipedia hole the other day. Nice. That is time I regret spending on the internet and not reading a book. See, yeah, exactly. See, right. See, like, see, you, you notice how nobody on this podcast went. Even there was no surprise when you were like Andrew WK Wikipedia hole. Of course, yeah. <laughs> what if, dude? Here we go. Here we go. What if someone was like. I'm quitting Wikipedia. I'm not going to read Wikipedia at all. <laughs> ever. Oh, like, I'm uh, just going to stop. Uh, it's, too, uh, it's a waste uh. of time. I'm just going to read it in Britannica if I need to read something. That would be spectacular. That would be spectacular, especially if they held that it out. so good. <laughs> no, it would be even better if, if, to see them fail. That would be the best part, to see their sanctimony come back and bite them in the ass. <laughs> Yo, I, I see you made some Wikipedia edits last night. The logs don't lie. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> it, it looks like we're getting to that point, boys. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, 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 we kind of got this off. Yeah. All right, dudes. I, uh, I'm pretty proud of this episode. I think, uh, I think it's a good one. I think so, too. Right, are I we stopping? Yep. I think so, yeah. All right, dudes. Stop. Fifty uh, quadrillion plastic pieces.